Welcome to the Rockcast, and like the man said, I am your host, Monty Colvin. Ah. I appreciate you listening, and hopefully you will be entertained over the course of the next 50 minutes or so. I've got a lot of cool things planned for you, but let's kick things off with some comments and messages and emails about the last episode. As you recall, it was my Halloween special... And several people told me that they were a little disturbed by my scary story. Sean McClure said that he was afraid that that story was going to give him nightmares. And James Nelson said that it was terrifying and it still gives him chills. Well, I'm sorry guys, but I did warn you. Uh, However, uh, not everyone had the same reaction. Matt Tebow in Missouri said that uh, when he heard my scary story, he could not stop laughing. (laughs) Hmm, well, okay, you know, everyone's different. I don't get it! I also had a few people write me about my list of favorite Halloween candy. Wanda Doss wanted me to know that almond joys are gross, and I've got to disagree with that, Wanda. But Chris in Baltimore decided to try my suggestion about candy corn mixed with peanuts. And Chris even sent me a picture of the bowl he had concocted, and he said, this rules. And yes, I agree, Uh, candy corn and peanuts do rule, and if you haven't tried it, I suggest you do so. Try it, you might like it. I also heard from Dean Bibb who said, hey Monty, The new podcast was awesome. Did you ever hear Jada Pinkett Smith's metalcore band Wicked Wisdom? Oh yeah, I'd almost forgotten about that. Jada Pinkett Smith, she had a metal band uh, years ago. I think they only did one album and I didn't like it. I guess I can't blame somebody for trying, but it just came off kind of phony, kind of like she is. And now our daughter, Willow, is uh, gone from being a hip-hopper to suddenly trying to be heavy herself. So maybe your mom passed it down to her. Who knows? Who cares? All right, I got another email here from longtime listener Greg Skipton. Haven't heard from him in a while, but he's got a couple of questions. And the first one is, hey, Monty, how's it going? Well, that's a dumb question. Well, thanks for asking, Greg. Uh, You know, it's going all right. Uh, I've been really busy, though. I did an art show in Denver back on uh, October 29th. And Alex and I had been preparing for this thing for most of the year. And a lot went into it. Uh, We had to buy all kinds of stuff, like grids for the paintings to go on. We had to find tables and uh, rent a tent. And of course, I had to make all the paintings and prints and uh, refrigerator magnets. And so a lot of work went into it. And since it was in Denver, Colorado in October, we were a little concerned that the weather would hold up. The last thing we needed was rain or snow, and uh, it turned out to be a beautiful day. And it was just a street fair in downtown Denver. But we had high hopes, and uh, it turned out it was okay. Maybe not quite what we had hoped for in the way of sales, but we had a really good time. Uh, There was a lot of homeless people down there acting a little weird and crazy. Maybe ran off some people. And I know right here I'm supposed to say, and don't get me wrong, I have no problem with the homeless. But uh, sometimes I kind of do. Like the guy that was walking around saying he was going to shoot people. Yeah, that's bad for business. But we did have some cool people show up that bought prints, and uh, so that was all good. But the biggest thing I got out of the whole experience was just how diligent my girlfriend Alex was. She helped organize it and put it all together. And the day of the show, she just worked her butt off helping me set up and uh, waiting on people. And I just appreciate her so much. 
And I just want to say right now that I'm a very lucky guy to have her. Because a couple of years ago, I went through a really difficult divorce. I was really sad and depressed and wanted to kill myself. But I ended up finding Alex, and she's such a great woman, and I just love her so much. And when I look back two years ago now, I think, geez, why was I so sad? Because I had no idea my life was going to change so much for the better. And I hear from a lot of you guys out there who listen to the show and uh, have gone through the same kind of thing, or you're going through it now. And I just want to tell you, hang in there. Don't give up and think it's the end of the world and don't do anything stupid because things can and things will turn around. So anyway, that's my two cents. And thanks again to my girlfriend Alex for uh, all of her help and uh, just for believing in me. But anyway, Greg had another question, which was, Hey, Monty, I watched a channel on YouTube this morning about the band falling in reverse, canceling on their shows due to their laptops being stolen, which prompted Eddie Trunk to call them out, which prompted falling in reverse to attack Eddie Trunk and Sebastian Bach, which led to a Twitter war. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that situation and supplements being added to the live shows? This is a lot about nothing. Okay, well, I did hear about this, and apparently Eddie Trunk and Sebastian Bach are on the side of uh, backing tracks should never be used. And I've actually seen Falling in Reverse several times. Uh, It was probably about five years ago. And I really like them, and I've never noticed backing tracks. But maybe they're using them now, I don't know. And somebody suggested, well, maybe the laptops are for their light show. And I can't say for sure on that either. But what's my opinion on backing tracks in general? Well, I know my band, Galactic Cowboys, has never used them, other than for maybe just a sound effect or something. We've always played completely live. Uh, All those vocal harmonies you hear are us and nothing else. And if we hit a bad note, that's what you get. And when I go to a concert, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what you can do live. And when I see bands that are almost too perfect, I kind of wonder. But as long as it's just a keyboard or maybe a guitar part that's filling things out, I guess I'm not too upset about it. As long as it's a good show, uh, you know, I'm not going to get mad about it like Eddie Trunk. The whole thing stinks! I'm pretty sure Kiss uses backing tracks. When I saw Steel Panther, it sounded like they were using them. But there again, I had a great time at both of those shows. This is another reason why I get mad. On the other hand, I was in this band back in the 80s, and uh, we played completely live. And we were opening for this other band. And when they came out and started playing the first song, they just sounded huge and perfect. And it sounded like you were listening to a record. And after the show, I was talking to the keyboard player, and he actually admitted to me that, yeah, well, it was all on tape. And I immediately just lost all respect for them. And I just thought, wow, what a bunch of phony posers. And so there's that. It's mind-blowing. All right, I'll get back to more of your emails later, but uh, right now I'm going to review the new CD from Slipknot. It's called The End So Far. I've only listened to it once, and so this is just my initial reaction. And that's probably not real fair, but hey, that's the way it goes here on Monty's Rockcast. Music isn't always fair. However, I will say this. uh, It seems like it's got some variety on it. It's not all heavy and fast. It does have some ballady kind of things on here, uh, some softer moments, which surprised me. And uh, at first I was like, hmm, did I download the right album? But if you do kind of like the faster Slipknot songs, it's got stuff like this.
but this album also has songs like this. One thing you have to admit about Slipknot is that they're good. Corey Taylor is a great singer when he wants to be, and when he wants to just crush your skull with his voice, he can do that also. And really, everyone in the band is super talented, uh, except maybe Clown. I'm not sure what he does. He's a clown. I'm not sure I'm gonna love this Slipknot album. But like most of their albums, uh, every now and then they break into something that I go, wow, that is great. I wish they did that all the time. Okay, so that's some new Slipknot. If you like that, you might want to go buy it. But if you don't want to buy it, I'm sure those guys will be fine. I'm pretty sure that Corey Taylor is probably set for life. Unlike me, who struggles monthly just to pay my bills. But hey, that's the way it goes. I tried to give the world some music that was creative and uh, slightly original, and you see where it got me. If I had just written Every Rose Has Its Thorn or Unskinny Bop, I might be playing stadiums right now, opening for Def Leppard. But no, I just had to be weird and write songs that made your average Joe go, hmm, what the hell's this? But I know a lot of you guys out there still appreciate Galactic Cowboys, you bought all of our albums, and you still enjoy what we did. And I've had several of you tell me that uh, you're excited to get our album Machine Fish on vinyl. And yes, I did hear that some label is putting that out, but I probably won't see a dime from that, even though I wrote most of the songs, I did the artwork, and I even did the cover. But the truth is, I haven't made any money from Galactic Cowboys in years. I made a little when we did that last album, but uh, I haven't seen royalties since then. Nobody plays us on the radio anymore. And that's just the hard truth of the music business. I mean, for a while, I was still getting checks from that movie Airheads. We were in it for a couple of minutes, and you know, every time it would play on cable or anything like that, I would get a little bitty check. But the other day, and I'm not making this up, I got a check for two cents. And I'm not even real sure why the Screen Actors Guild would bother to send that to me. But they did, and it was very depressing. But like I said, that's kind of the way it goes in the music biz. There are a select few who are fortunate enough to have a hit song, and uh, they do okay. For the rest of us, we struggle and do our best to just make a living. And I gave it about 30 years, and I finally said a couple of years ago, you know, maybe I should give this art thing a try. And so that's what I do now. I pour my heart and soul into my paintings and my prints, and yet I still get two or three messages about every week with somebody saying, hey, why don't you do another album? And I've thought about it, and here's my answer to that. Wouldn't you like to hear the answer? You know what? I would be glad to do another Galactic Cowboys album. So that, that's your answer? 
I think it'd be a blast. I'd love to write new songs. I think we'd come up with some great new stuff. I'd be glad to fly to Houston and record it. And it would just be wonderful. That is the answer. All we need is for somebody to give us a bunch of money. Oh! Because believe it or not, albums cost a lot of money to make. And it's not as expensive as it used to be back in the 80s and 90s where we spent over $100,000 making an album. But they still take a little bit to fund, so uh, if you know anybody that's got some cash laying around, uh, let me know. Maybe there's a rich guy out there listening right now that's like, hey, you know, I'd like a new Galactic Cowboys album. And if so, hey, let me know. Ain't gonna happen. All right, I got another message here. This one's from Dan Singleton. And Dan is one of those cool guys who has commissioned me in the past to do paintings for him. And so I really like Dan. And today he sent me a list that he found on Facebook and it was a bunch of questions and he answered his and he suggested that I do the same. And I'll give you Dan's answers first. He said, uh, for band I hate, he said the Black Eyed Peas. And the next one is a band I think is overrated. Dan says Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen fan either uh, now, but I did see him back, uh, gee, around 84. It was on the Born in the USA tour, and they played for three-plus hours. And I'll have to admit it that some of it was great, but then there was other parts of the show where he'd just be up there with an acoustic guitar by himself, and in between songs, he'd be saying stuff like, Y'all need to go and give to your local food bank. And I'd be thinking, okay, Bruce, uh, I appreciate you telling me that, but this is really boring. And these days, I just don't really care for all of his politics, so there you go. Now, next on this list, it's a band I think is underrated. And Dan's answer was Train Dodge. Yeah, okay, uh, well, they must be underrated because I've never heard of them. And it doesn't get more underrated than that. But uh, the next one is Band I Love, and uh, Dan says Clutch. Okay, uh, next is a Band I Can Listen To Over and Over Again. Dan says uh, Elder. And once again, I don't think I've heard of Elder, so I will have to check them out. Uh, next is Band That Made Me Fall In Love With Music, and Dan says 80s U2. Yeah, you know, I loved U2's first uh, three albums and uh, kind of like the fourth. After that, couldn't stand them. Next is Band That Changed My Life and Dan says King's X. After that is Band That Surprised Me and Dan says Opeth. Now, here's an answer that surprised me. Uh, for Guilty Pleasure, Dan says The Foo Fighters. Well, first of all, I don't think you have to feel guilty for liking the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl is a very likable musician, a likable person, and most of their music is really pretty good, so don't feel bad, Dan. Next is Band I Should Have Seen By Now, and Dan says Gojira. And last but not least, Great Band To See Live, and Dan says Galactic Cowboys. Yeah, I would agree with that last one. Good answer, Dan. All right, now here's my answers to the same questions. And most of these I could have multiple answers to, but I'll just try to keep it to one. And the first one is a band I hate. I'm going to go with Five Finger Death Punch. And it's really not even the whole band. It's mainly just the singer. His name is Ivan Moody, and he just seems like such a douchebag. He just looks like one of those redneck bullies that wants to pick a fight with everybody. And I'm sure there's a lot of redneck douchebags who can really relate to him. And maybe that's why they're playing arenas. But I don't like him and I hate his lyrics. And not only that, I hate the name of the band, Five Finger Death Punch. And once again, it just comes off douchey to me. <laughs> that's crazy! Next, what's a band I think is overrated? Well, this is an interesting topic because I really get sick of hearing people say stuff about bands like, oh, they should have been huge. They're criminally underrated. And after a while, it's like they're so underrated, they're overrated. 
and I can think of one or two right off the top of my head, but uh, I don't want to offend too many people, so I'm just going to take the easy way out and say Radiohead. I've heard their stuff, and apparently I just don't get it, because for the life of me, I don't understand what the big deal is. To me, it just seems like people say they like Radiohead to appear more intelligent, or that they just have superior taste in music to everybody else. Yeah, you know the type. Oh, Radiohead? Oh, of course I love Radiohead. Oh, total genius. Okay, computer, greatest album ever made. Uh, yeah, whatever. Now, on the other side of that, a band that is underrated. Okay, well, I could say Galactic Cowboys, but I'm not. Instead, I'm gonna go with a band that if I made out a top 10 list of my favorite bands of all time, this band would probably be in there. They're called Saosin, S-A-O-S-I-N. And if you've never heard of them, well, it's because they're criminally underrated. Oh, they should have been huge. But seriously, they only made two or three albums, but I just think they're incredible. Their songs were just so great and so well written. And it's just another one of those sad things where there's bands on the radio that kind of suck, while bands like Seosin just really never made it big. But it doesn't change the fact that they were just amazing. The next one on this list is a band that I love. And this is an easy one. If you've ever listened to my show ever, you know that my favorite band of all time is the Wild Hearts. They combine metal, punk, pop, and everything I love into one great package. Great songwriting, great melodies, great vocals. It's all there. I discovered them in 93, loved them ever since, and uh, if you've never heard of them, go check them out. I am not capable. Next is a band I can listen to over and over. Well, this is a tough one because when it comes to music, I can get bored pretty easily. And I'll even get tired of listening to albums that I love. But there is a band that I've been listening to for the last three years pretty much nonstop, and that's Star Set. I love their melodies, they've got a certain amount of heaviness to them, but they also add in some orchestration and I just love it.
Next is a band that made me fall in love with music. And I'm gonna have to say the Beatles. My brother was a fan and I remember the day he brought home Sgt. Peppers. And we opened it up and listened to it and that was just pretty much it. That's a hell of a story. All right, the band that changed my life. I'd have to say Metallica. When I heard Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning, it changed the way I listened to music. It changed the way I wrote music. And it inspired creativity in me that took me on a whole new path musically to start the band Galactic Cowboys. And in a way, I guess you could say the band Galactic Cowboys kind of changed my life because we ended up getting to do all kinds of things that I had always dreamed of doing. Thank you for sharing. I had no idea. Uh, next is a band that surprised me. Uh, well, uh, I guess I'd have to say Raven surprised me a few weeks ago. I was not expecting them to crush my skull and be as fun as they were, but they were just great. But another one I thought of when it comes to bands that you go in not expecting much and come out just blown away was Stuck Mojo. It was back in the 90s and I was at one of those foundations forums that they had in LA and a whole bunch of bands were playing and somebody said, hey, you ought to go see Stuck Mojo and I'd never even heard of them. But I thought, all right, I'll go and I get in there and I'm right up close and I'm standing right in front of Rich Ward and he's got the Les Paul just blasting in my face and they were just laying down these heavy grooves and I just loved it. Next is a guilty pleasure. Well, I have many, and the first one is ABBA. I don't care where I am or what I'm doing, if the song Dancing Queen comes on, I will start singing along, and I possibly might start dancing. But the second one, and I know I'm probably going to catch some crap for this, but the last year or so, I've actually been listening to Machine Gun Kelly. No, 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 no! Okay, okay, hear me out. The reason I feel guilty is because he's such a douchebag, and I know this. I've seen interviews with him, and he'll say things that are just embarrassing. And I don't like everything he does. I didn't really like his last album. But he put one out called Tickets to My Downfall that was mostly punk pop stuff. And the songs are just so catchy, and I just like it. 
Travis Barker plays drums on there, and I just think it's really good. So there. This is why people don't respect you. All right, this next one's good. It's a band I should have seen by now. And I really had to think about this because I've been to so many shows, I was starting to wonder if there was anybody left. For the past 40 years or so, I've been going to festivals and club shows and arena shows. And I thought about who I haven't seen yet, and I came up with a couple. And the first one was Alice Cooper. How have I not seen Alice Cooper? And strangely enough, he was playing about 15 minutes from my apartment the other day, and I missed it. But the other one you probably won't believe, and I can't even believe, I have not seen Aerosmith. I wanted to see him really bad back in the 70s because I was really into Get Your Wings and Rocks. But back then I either couldn't drive or didn't have a car. So I missed him then when I feel like they were at their best. And then there was that whole time period in the 90s when they started doing Ragdoll and all the ballads and all that stuff. And I didn't really want to see them then. And these days, from what I understand, they're mostly playing shows in Vegas. And strangely enough, the guy that's playing drums with them now is a guy named John Douglas, who is also an amazing painter and artist. And my girlfriend Alex used to work with him at the drum keyboard shop in Houston. And so I'd love to see him now, but uh, just haven't gotten a chance yet. But who knows? Uh, hopefully someday. And that would bring us to the last one on the list, which is a great band to see live. And of course, you probably know what my answer's gonna be, because it's obviously Rammstein. They put on the most spectacular concerts I've ever seen. And if you've never been to one of their shows, it's well worth the money and the hassle you will probably have to go through in order to see them. But that's the list, and thank you, Dan Singleton, for the suggestion. And I hope you all enjoyed that. There were times, honestly, I zoned out a little. Okay, I think I'm going to do another quick CD review. I just got this new album from Fire From The Gods. And I've seen them a couple of times. They're really good, and I don't know if you guys will like this at all. Uh, do you remember that band Skindred? They were kind of like a reggae punk metal band. Well, to me, this is kind of like that. Fire From The Gods has this big black singer, and he sounds like he's from Jamaica. But they write really good songs, and I loved their first album. In fact, it was my album of the year whenever it came out. And they've released one or two others since then, but this is a new one. It's called Soul Revolution, and it's got some cool tunes on it. guys are actually from Austin, Texas. I saw them a couple of times in Kansas City. They were opening for some metalcore bands. And I think it's some pretty cool stuff. Let me know what you think. Down, down.
time now for a little What's on TV. Yay! These days, besides going to the occasional Denver Nuggets or Colorado Avalanche game, I can't afford to do much, so I just stay home and watch TV. Loser! You're a loser! Yeah, there's times when I wonder why I'm watching what I'm watching, but I keep watching, and when it's over, I say, why did I do that? While other times I go, you know, that was pretty good. Still a waste of time, but pretty good. And that's kind of what I said after watching The Eyes of Tammy Faye on Hulu. I'm not sure why we did this, but Alex and I sat there for two hours and learned about the Bakers. And I gotta say, it was fairly entertaining, uh, the acting was pretty good, and uh, it made me laugh several times. It also brought back some memories for me. There was one point in this movie where Tammy Faye and Jim Baker were talking about the studio and their theme park. And I turned to Alex and I said, you know, back in the 80s, I actually went to that place. And she couldn't believe it. And I said, yeah, back around 87, I was playing for this Christian artist named Morgan Cryer. And I was his bass player for about a year. And we toured around and we played all these different shows. And that was one of the places that we played. And I didn't think much about it at the time. It was just a gig. But now looking back and thinking about all the corruption and everything that was going on uh, kind of makes me feel icky. But, you know, in some ways it seems like a lifetime ago. And in other ways it seems like it was just yesterday. But whatever, check that out if you want. Uh, something else I watched was the Weird Al movie. You didn't. Yeah, it was on Roku, and I watched it for free. And I thought it was just going to be a realistic portrayal of the life of Weird Al Yankovic. But instead, it was kind of a cross between Wayne's World and uh, a Tenacious D movie. Just very crazy and silly and funny as hell. A lot of it had no basis in reality, and I thought it was really good. I personally love movies like this. Uh, I don't think they make enough of them anymore. Mainly because uh, people are either afraid to be funny or uh, they just don't know how to be funny anymore. But Weird Al knows how to be funny and I got to meet him back in the 90s. I was backstage at this concert and there was a radio station promoting it and all of a sudden they bring in uh, Weird Al Yankovic uh, backstage and there he is. And he was just the nicest guy ever. Just very polite. I talked to him a little bit about the Michael Jackson video for Eat It. And he just couldn't have been nicer. But if you like stupid comedies, check the Weird Al movie out. Uh, it's a hoot. It is ridiculous. Now, another thing that I watched was a documentary about Nolan Ryan. And I only tell you about this because it'll give me a chance to talk about sports. Oh no. Yeah, I know a lot of you probably aren't into sports at all, but uh, I'm a sports freak. My dad was a sports fan, and I started watching it when I was about 10. And over the years, I've had some favorite teams. I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, so I was a Suns fan. And when I was in high school and moved to Missouri, I became a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I still am today. I've also rooted for the Kansas City Royals since the mid-70s. And I still try to watch almost every game they play, even though I live in Colorado now. But in the 80s, I moved to Houston, Texas, and I tried to root for the hometown teams. I rooted for the Oilers, and I rooted for the Astros, and I would even go to the games by myself. Mainly because I could rarely find anybody that gave a damn about either one of those teams. But I do remember one night when I went to the Astrodome and watched a game with Sam Taylor, who most people know as the producer of the first couple of albums for Galactic Cowboys and King's X. And at the time, Sam and I were not only business partners, but we were friends, and he loved Nolan Ryan. And Nolan was pitching that night, and Sam was one of these guys that rarely showed a lot of emotion. But at one point, Nolan struck this guy out, and Sam came bounding out of his seat, pumped his fist, and went, yeah. And I will never forget being able to watch the great Nolan Ryan pitch. But like I said, nobody really cared about the Astros back then, and I ended up moving back to Kansas City. 
And for years, the Royals sucked, but uh, in 2015, they're trying to get to the World Series. And who is standing in their way but the Houston Astros? And even though the Royals beat the Astros that year and went on and won the World Series, it was then that I began to hate the Houston Astros. And I have ever since. And it drove me crazy to see the Royals dismantle their team after winning the World Series and becoming one of the worst teams in baseball while the Astros went on and cheated their way to a championship and continued to be good year after year. And this year when the season began, I said, you know, I don't care who wins the World Series as long as it's not the Astros. But of course, uh, probably just to spite me, they won again. And I hated every minute of it to the point where I just finally stopped watching. But before I turned it off, uh, that second baseman for the Astros, Altuve, yeah, he came up to bat. And for some reason, my mind just went back to when I was a kid. And I thought about the time when my parents took me to the drive-in to see this movie called The Gnome Mobile. Does anybody remember that? I think it was like a Disney movie and it was these gnomes that uh, would drive this car and I'm pretty sure it could fly in the air. And you know, when you're like eight years old, that kind of stuff is cool. But anyway, uh, you know, for some reason I thought about that and uh, it was a fond memory. And it took my mind off the Astros, who I hate. But if you're an Astros fan, don't be offended by my hatred. In fairness, I also hate the Lakers and LeBron James. I also hate the Raiders, Patriots, St. Louis Cardinals, and St. Louis Blues. This guy is so hateful. But getting back to the Nolan Ryan documentary, uh, it was really good. Check it out. There's a part where they talk about the time Robin Ventura charged the mound and was going to fight Nolan. And Nolan just gets him in a headlock and beats the crap out of him. And of course they said, uh, Robin Ventura declined to be part of this documentary. And I thought, yeah, I bet he did. He probably didn't want to talk about the time he got his ass kicked by a 45-year-old pitcher. It's just embarrassing! Okay, switching gears just a little bit, I got another message here from Steve Elliott. And he has a question about sequencing albums. In other words, the order in which the songs go on the album. And Steve says, here's something I've never heard you talk about on the podcast, but when it comes to sequencing an album, how important is that to you? You've obviously done that with Galactic Cowboys and Crunchy albums, and how much input does the band have in sequencing? Well, good question, Steve, and no, in all the years I've been doing this podcast, I don't think I've ever talked about sequencing. And to answer your question, yes, I think it's very important. And what we usually do is after all the songs are recorded, we'll sit down and kind of talk about uh, an order that would uh, kind of make the album flow. I usually like starting an album off with a bang. So that's usually an up-tempo song or something that kind of draws the listener in and uh, makes him be interested in listening to the rest of the album. We also like it to be kind of like a journey or uh, taking a roller coaster ride where the tempos vary and, uh, you know, at times it might take you down and then right back up. Now with Galactic, we kind of do things democratically and we all have input and we don't always agree. In the past, there have been songs that I thought should have been way up front and there's also been songs that I didn't think should be on the album at all. But when you're in a band, you don't always get your way. However, when you do a solo album like I did with the Crunchy CDs, you can sequence it exactly like you want. And that's what I did on the first two. However, for the last one, Loserville, I actually sequenced it while I was writing it. I knew from the beginning it was going to be a story. And so as I was writing it, I was planning out how each song would go into the next. But usually you just wait till the end and then you kind of figure, well, this song goes good with this one and so forth. Anyway, hope that answers your question, Steve. And if anybody else has a question of that nature or anything, really, 
feel free to message me on Facebook or you can also get a hold of me on my website, montycolvinart.com. Speaking of which, I wanted to thank a few people for their support of my art and of this podcast. First of all, my buddy Jeff Moore, William in Tennessee, and Eric Malmstrom for your fantastic donations, as well as Eric in Orange County, Joseph in North Carolina, and Brian in Ohio who all bought magnets. Plus, a big thank you goes out to Christopher in Wisconsin who bought a Lane Staley print, Bobby in Texas, and Steve Elliott who both bought the Iron Maiden print sets. Thanks to Gary in Baltimore who bought two sets of magnets. Thanks to James Turner who bought a Frank Zappa print. And a big huge thank you and shout out to Matt in St. Louis and Dan in Oregon who both bought multiple prints. And as always, I just appreciate you so much. Uh, You're literally keeping food in my mouth and gas in my car. And Christmas will be here soon, so let me remind you one more time, prints, paintings, and magnets make great gifts. So hey, tell your wife or girlfriend, instead of buying me socks this year or wasting your money on something I won't even like, go to this website, montycolvinart.com, and uh, get me something I'll really think is cool and uh, enjoy for the rest of my life. I don't know if that's possible. All right, I'm going to play you one last song, and I thought I'd play you one of my songs, because, you know, why not? And this is off my second crunchy album, Clown School Dropout. And before I play you the song, I thought I'd give you a little background on everything. First of all, the year was 2003. My first crunchy album, All Day Sucker, uh, well, it did not go well. I'd signed with a label that went bankrupt, and then I went bankrupt. I'd also used a couple of guys to play on that album because I thought I was being a nice guy and I gave them a lot of exposure for their own careers, but they just ended up talking a bunch of shit on me on the Galactic Cowboy message board. And so I said, you know what? Screw all of this. I'm just going to make an album myself. Once again, I'm going to write all the songs. I'm going to play guitar and bass. I'm going to do all the vocals myself. I'm going to record it in my house and I'm going to put it out myself. And so that's what I did. I hired a studio drummer named Rod Lincoln to do the drums and I got Jeff Sheets to mix and master it. I did all the artwork. I had CDs printed up and I was very pleased with it. And there's a song on there called Popular Guy that's still one of my favorites. It's a story from my youth when I was in junior high. I was living in Oregon. I was the new kid at school. I was really shy. I didn't know how to talk to girls. And I just felt like a real loser most of the time. But for some reason, I thought I had a chance in hell with getting one of the cutest girls in that school. And I tried to talk to her, and she was actually nice to me. And so I thought, ah, maybe she likes me. And I got my hopes all up, only to find out she had a boyfriend. And he was this big, good-looking, popular guy. And when I saw this, I turned and I walked home and I cried the whole way. But hey, that's all right. I grew up and I learned how to play guitar. And because of that, there was a few girls out there who eventually found me semi-attractive. Not only that, but I got a good song out of that experience and I hope you'll enjoy it. And if anyone out there is interested in buying any of my crunchy CDs, drop me a message. But I think that's going to do it for me for now. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving, and I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on!